Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. tonight uh, six o'clock down at the um, Port Calgary so that's very exciting Friday we had a, a work as worship which was a phenomenal day I just want to say congratulations for an excellent retreat day that was really amazing I thought so inspired and thank you Lord for leading that and your team all of your team uh, exceptional um, that last song we that we second last song about the relentless uh, love of God that's uh, featured in the uh, on Netflix there's a movie called uh, the heart of man if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It was really, and brings Fox Kleenex, if you're a prodigal. Um, some, if, if you watch it like it's an interesting story about a prodigal, it'll just be another story. you got to see yourself as a prodigal. When you re- it's the same as when you read Luke 15. Uh, there's four characters in the prodigal story. Um, and e- each time I read it, I, I like to go through it four times. So I put myself in the father's role. That's, that's often helpful. Um, the prodigal that ran, which I relate to very well, the prodigal that stayed, Golda Brothers, and also the servant. Uh, I'm sure that servant was pretty impacted by that whole scenario. And so it's really important that we connect ourselves um, to, sto- to the Bible narratives and include ourselves in that. This uh, next weekend is a, uh, going to be the weekend that they're uh, Canada's hosting uh, Burn with Sean Troy, and uh, that's going to be going on. You can register online, still get a discount for that. And uh, that's going to be starting Friday and then going um, uh, all day Friday to Saturday, I think, or something like that. Okay. Um, burn. Oh, and today is uh, C3 Toronto. They're celebrating their fifth <laughs> anniversary at, at um, Massey Hall in downtown Toronto. And, uh, you know, just listening to, w- I remember, we, we, I've been there for every wedding, uh, every, wedding, every birthday except this one. And... Um, and Sam, you know, casted this wild vision, we want to be a church of a thousand. And of course, you're sitting in a room with nine of them and you go, really? But they will have, they will have had over a thousand people, probably had like 12 or 13 more people there today, five years. Just remarkable, really, what's going on. <coughs> so we're part of that, sending them, so we celebrate with them today. And we're very, very happy about what's going on there. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. I've entitled my message in an understanding, uh, an understanding heart. I'm talking about relational essentials. And uh, I, uh, I feel I owe you an apology for the last two weeks when I've been talking about offenses and judgment, <coughs> but I've not adequately helped you to apply that. So I ask for your forgiveness of that. I've just kind of ranted on about a truth which is real and left you to apply that yourself. I think part of a good preaching m- message is helps people put it in, in to work in their life. And so I don't think I've done that very well. I thought of that after I'd left, uh, or on probably on Sunday night or Monday morning. And the great thing, uh, it's a little bit like golf, like uh, you did bad in the back last hole, you can try, you get to have a new, another hole. And so I get to have another Sunday. And uh, I often um, think about this, I have what I call PMS, that post-message syndrome, uh, right, uh, you, you wonder, why did I say that, or what's going on with that? Um, and, and I'm just, I want us to look at um, this, uh, this uh, there, there's, three, there's three chapters, 14, 15, and 16. That Jesus is actually preparing the disciples for what's going to happen. They're, they, these are riveting chapters because they, chapter 14 and verse 1 begins by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
So this probably could be the recipe for troubled hearts, how to, how to deal with a, a troubled heart. Probably could these next three chapters. Talks about, the not, you know, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to make sure there's, uh, I'm going to send my, the spirit of truth. And he's going he's gonna to tell you about things that are still to come, which is so exciting. Having that relationship with the Holy Spirit and how he'll, um, he's going to lead you into truth. He's going to teach you stuff. And uh, so don't let your hearts be troubled. It's going to be great. Um, and, and, and right in the middle of 14 and 15, or 16 is this chapter 15, where Jesus begins by saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And my, and my father's the, the vine keeper. And so I, I went into that for a couple of weeks now. And I want to just begin at verse 12. By <clears throat> when he said, I command you to love each other in the same way that I loved you. Now that's a, that's a tall order. Loving others as Christ has loved us. It would be worthwhile to just start your journal with that at the top of the page. And saying, okay, how did Christ love me? Okay, then that's how I'm to love others. This is a different dimension of life, is doing that. And then, and then he says this, and here's how you measure it. He gives us the metric. <clears throat> if you're loving others, like I've loved you, here's the measurement. Here's how you'll know. That no greater love is shown than when people lay down their lives for their friends. That's what he says. And, and then he, he carries on for a bit there. You're my friends if you obey me. Oh, great. And he did as our friend laid down his life for us. That's what he did do. Didn't just say it. He lived it. And um, he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't confide. Uh, sorry, master doesn't confide in a servant. But now you're my friend since I've told you everything the father's told me. He's confided in them. Uh, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So many of you think that you chose Christ. The fact is he chose you before you ever chose him before you took a breath. And I appointed you to go out and produce fruit that will last so that the Father will be give you whatever you ask for me using my name. I command you to love each other. He said, this type of love will actually change the way that you talk to me. It'll change the way that you view the world. It'll change the way that you'll view another person. If we're going to have kingdom relationships that are healthy and Christ-like, it's going to require specific characteristics. I thought of this... Um, it is like, it, that, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. And then I thought, um, you know, that's kind of sad because if you lay down your life for your friend, now you're gone. You don't have a friend. Doesn't seem like a very friendly thing to do. I'm going to lay down my life for you, but now, now, now I don't, you don't have anybody as a friend. Just too bad for that. But that's not specifically what he was writing about, about laying down your life physically. He's saying, he's saying, if you are able to love like this, you're able to set aside yourself for the sake of another person. You're able to lay aside your ego. Lay aside your desires for theirs. He said, that's the type of love that will change the world. <clears throat> and, then, and then I read in Psalm chapter 34 where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Has anybody ever read that before? What an interesting passage, hey? Taste and see. He doesn't say taste and savor the flavor. Because when you taste, that's what you do, right? Now, he says taste and see. How does that even go together? They're different, like olfactory and uh, 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 optic and, okay, I don't know, the mouth. How does the tongue and the eyes work together? The tongue and the nose go together pretty good, right? Swish. But, and he didn't even say, which I think would be a, a pretty logical thing to do. He didn't say taste and teach, which I think that would be great. 
because once you've tasted a truth, now you can teach a truth. But he's saying this, he says, once you've tasted of a truth, you will actually see differently. That the experiencing of a truth will cause your perception to change. That's a wild thing. Can you imagine how absurd it would be for someone to teach on being born again if they hadn't been born again themselves? Or to, or to teach about being filled with the Holy Spirit when they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit themselves? Or for someone to teach about forgiveness who actually is not forgiving? Can you imagine? That's absurd. But he's saying if you've tasted a truth, now that qualifies you to step into another dimension because you will see differently after you have experienced truth. And I think that's a profound thought. Um, so, so he, Jesus surprises us with some things. And I, um, I want to just um, help me, Holy Spirit, today. Bring a, show us how to apply these truths about, about breaking judgments and offenses and, um, and, and living in a different dimension. Because he actually, when he ta tells us to do stuff, he's talking about a different dimension of living. And if you don't understand that there's another dimension to life, if you can't see that there's another dimension, if your eyes aren't open to another dimension, you'll consistently live in your current dimension. And as long as where you're able to see, that's how, and that's where you will function. If, if, if you can't, it, when, he's, when he says to us, um, uh, I say to you, like, um, love your enemies. And you're, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. Mm, really? But if you don't see that that's of a benefit to you in some way, if you don't understand what he's saying, he's inviting you into a different dimension of life. I actually, would, I don't want to love my neighbors at all. Yeah, no, but if, but if you're, if, but there's another dimension, and that's the same about the dimension of your relationships. And he invites us into a new level of living by helping us understand that there's another dimension to kingdom relationships. They're completely different. So many assume what the Bible doesn't say. But we we think we know what it says, so we end up finishing the sentences. I get confused. And so when I do, I need to come back and listen to what he is saying. Who is he saying it to? And what's he saying to me from that specific passage? My, my conviction is that I, I can't say that I trust God and don't trust his word. Because he is his word. If we are going to trust God, we have to trust his word. You can say, well, you know, I trust, I trust God, but you know, his word, I'm just a little bit meh. There's a, there's a, like the statistics are, are scary about how many people believe that the Bible is a great book, but it's not the word of God. It's scary. Very low percentage of people in Canada. Very low. Um, one very easy mistake I have made, and I do it very often, is I don't actually have ears to hear. And, and this creates all kinds of problems for me. For example, when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, uh, I automatically just move ahead and say, oh, he's talking about access to heaven. But he's not. He's talking about another dimension of life. Uh, access to heaven is completely different to the reality of the kingdom of heaven. That's, he says the kingdom of heaven is within us. He says there's a ki the kingdom of heaven is all around you. But you have to have eyes to be able to see it. Um, so when he, he's, re he's referring to, he's not referring to getting to heaven. When he... When he's referring to is a, as a realm of life that we may not be functioning in right now. One, getting into heaven, access to heaven, is actually based on faith in Jesus Christ. 
that no man can touch and no man can steal and nothing can separate you, not even sin can separate you from access to heaven. If you choose Christ as Savior. But there's another realm where we transact with people and with business and our daily life that's totally different to access to heaven. It's access into the kingdom of God, which is functioning here where it requires a king and requires our submission to that king to function within that realm on the earth right now. We can mess up and do crazy things and bad things and awful things, but God will not forsake you or leave you. He continues to chase after you. It's miraculous to me when I read that he was going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Do you know what the word all means? Isn't that amazing? And then when he said that, that uh, when he came into the world, he is the light that lights all men. Do you know what all men means? You, but surely, Jesus, you didn't mean all. You meant people who are gathered on Sunday mornings who are good people that, like, give to missions and, like, that, those type of people. No, he didn't say that. And he didn't say that it was specific to a gender. He says, on your sons and your daughters. He didn't say it would be specific to any socioeconomic uh, uh, area neither. He says, on your slaves, uh, on your bond servant, and on your masters. He said, so here's what's going on right now. God has poured out his spirit on all flesh. And you go, no, 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 but aren't we special? Yeah, yeah, you're special. Give yourself a hug and high-five yourself. But he loves the person down the road just as much as he loves you. It's remarkable how that works. And all they have to do is make a moment like this and go turn to him, and he comes charging in towards them. This, that, that level of grace is, doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. Uh, but it's another dimension of how he functions. So this is remarkable to me. Our citizenship has been transferred, but we function in a, we can function in a different dimension. I had this one rogue thought, rogue thought I think, I, so I was saved in 1982. That means 35 years, does it? No. Probably. What, math, 40 years? How long is that? No, round it off. Anna, spin that for me. I've been saved for 55 years. <laughs> I'm joking. But someone told me when I was first saved is that you, once you say once you're born again, you're just a baby Christian. I don't know if anybody else has heard that or not. I'm not sure if that's right. I understand I'm brand new. But I'm not sure if I ever want to quit being a baby. Now, I mean that in the adult sense. But aren't there some things that you're still growing, that you still feel like a baby in? When, I mean, if, when I'm relating to God as father... And he begins to show me some things. I have to come childlike to him. I can't say I come, you know, with a swagger and say, got this. I can't do that. Right? When, when, when you got saved, when your life became, when it was purchased by the blood of Jesus, you didn't get a baby Holy Spirit. Well, you, th you read about it. You think about it. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just not so sure that that's specifically the case. I, I want to be constantly growing, and I want to be constantly fed on the milk of the word. Because I have to also allow those basics to guide my life as well. We don't get beyond the basics of the repentance from dead works and the, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we want, we want the promise, but we don't want to change. And this is what happened in, Ma in Mark chapter 4. He says, you've been permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. What's he referring to? He's referring to a dimension on earth. You're, you, you've been permitted to understand the secrets about the kingdom. But I'm using stories to conceal everything about it from outsiders. How, how does that even happen? Um, 
Later, he's alone with them. He said, you guys are familiar. And then he says this. He says, uh, he's quoting Isaiah when he says, uh, they will see what I do, but they won't perceive its meaning. Lord, what's going on? And he says, they'll hear my words, but they won't understand so that they will not turn from their sins and be forgiven. Because if I have to admit that I've got a blind spot, my life will actually be changed. I'm not just going to seek the benefit. I'm going to seek the giver of that gift. Once I, get, once I see him differently, he says, you're going to be asked to change your lifestyle. And be, he, one, one, one version calls it converted. So he's, he's looking for us to be childlike in, in, a, in another dimension. Of how, and, and I'm referring to our relationships this morning. Sometimes his, par- his parables were directed at a specific crowd, but many times they were just discussing the kingdom. If you look in chapter in Mark 4 and verse 26, he says, here's another illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. That kingdom of God, what is that? That's a dimension of life that we can live in right now. He said, here's, here's what it's like. And, then, and in verse 30, he says, how can I describe the kingdom of God to you? Well, here's how I'm going to explain it. It's like a little seed. This is how it works. If you want to enter into the kingdom and function in the, within the kingdom dynamic, you need to see that there's another level to function in and begin to use the rules, the protocols of the kingdom to function in the kingdom. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. Jesus taught like nobody else. Nobody else taught like this. Because he said, what actually has to happen when I'm teaching you something, you have to be willing to apply it to your life, otherwise you won't get it. He, he says at the end of this, uh, in verse 13, he says, if you can't understand this story, how will you understand all the others? I'm talking about understanding hearts. If you don't understand this, how will you understand anything else? And at the end of the parables, or sorry, the end of the, the string of parables, he said he used such stories and illustrations to teach people as much as they were able to understand. In fact, when he was publicly, he taught, he taught that all the time. These, these, these simple little stories actually concealed things to people who didn't want to see things differently. And this is what the result of the Pharisees. They, they didn't want to change how they saw stuff. I, you, mean I, you mean you think I've got a blind spot? Nah, not me. He said, you think you can see, and the result of you believing that you can see he is, is blinding you from what I'm trying to show you. So I'm going to talk to you about kingdom relationships and how you may have to take a little different perspective. But if you'll taste, then you will be able to see differently. If you're willing to learn, then you'll be able to see differently. And that's what he's, uh, I, this is what he's saying. And one of the most encouraging verses in the New Testament is verse 21. When he said, nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bed. I don't, we used to sing a song under a bushel. I was a farmer. You know. No, he's, he, this is a very encouraging, very, very encouraging passage. Because he says, he says, when light has come into the world, I'm not going to hide the light. I'm not going to hide it so you can't see it. But in order for you to see it, you have to be willing to have ears to hear and eyes to see what I'm doing. And if you're that way, if you're teachable, if, you, if you're willing to understand, I'll show you things. And you're going to be able to function in a different dimension. I think that's very encouraging. Jesus thought like nobody else. If you had a heart to get it, you'd get it. When he teaches, we need to, we, uh, it, it, and this is what happens to us. You, you, you have to put it, what's he saying? Who's he saying it to? It's one of the only times that the Bible isn't true. It's when it's taken out of context. You have to read it in context of what he's saying and who's he saying it to. Um, 
it turns out like Jesus, like he's actually quite undemocratic. He's not very Canadian at all because when you read the parable about him saying, if you, the one who doesn't use their one, I'm going to go give it to the one who has a hundred. You go, that's not very democratic. No, but if you had eyes to see what he's doing, he said, this one, this one knows how to handle it. You're hiding yours. He's using, a, he's using an illustration to help us understand that he might do things a little bit differently. If you didn't have a heart, you wouldn't understand it. And that's what happens. So uh, what does understanding mean? Literally, the, the, both the Greek and the Hebrew word for understanding mean to bring together. That's what it means, literally, to bring together or actually to sit together. Wh why is that important? Because if you can't bring two conflicting truths, and you'll see this when you read through Scripture. You'll see there'll be two conflicting truths. You go, and what you, you can get confused if you're not careful, but there's a little narrow road between that. It's and it's just the tension of holding these two truths together. If you can't reconcile that, you'll get confused. It happens to many people. They'll give up. They say, ah, oh, this stuff doesn't work. So no, no, you're just, uh, uh, you're just not seeing straight. Uh, this, this happens many times. Actually, that's probably a, a, a good definition of prayer, is reconciling two, two opposing truths, paradoxes, right? Jesus taught in these terms all the time. What's a living sacrifice? It's not a paradox. Is it living or is it a sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Are you saved or are you being saved? Mm-hmm. Are you, how are you going to get in this world? You're going to give. Mm hmm If you can't figure that out, it'll mess you up. It'll really confuse you. But if you can, re so the reconciliation of those, having those held together, this is, this is why Jesus said in that parable, you don't have to understand to be able to receive, but you have to understand to be fruitful. If you, whatever you understand, Satan can't steal. He says there's a seed that you, I, I can steal, the one that just sits on the surface but doesn't go in, that's because you're not able to walk together with it. It's not able to sit together in your heart. And when a truth comes to us, it all, every truth has an opposing truth to it. And we have to learn to live in that tension. And, that, and that's, that's how we, we learn to understand. And that's how we learn to trust. And that's how we learn to allow the kingdom of God to manifest within our relationships. This is a very significant thing. I found a couple of years ago, all that health stuff for me, um, I used this illustration you know, before, but, but I would see that the Bible says that by his stripes I'm healed, but yet I couldn't reconcile that to I wasn't healed in my body. Has anybody else? Am I the only one that couldn't reconcile? So, so, so what do you do? Well, you live within the tension. If you give up in the tension, the pr you'll miss the promise. It's, it's, um, it's a bit of the, 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 the secret of the, of the kingdom, I think, is learning to get by that. Because, because I tend to be an either or. Well, I, I'm not as much. I'm a both and. But Kelly's either or. And um, we're great compliments together. And um, um, uh, that's not really very important. <laughs> um, but, if, but, what but if we can't see, if you can't see in your, if you can't understand how the, how the forgiveness will heal your relationship, you won't do it. If you can't see that forgiveness is a kindness to you, well, they, but they did they do all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're the one that's in prison. If you can't understand that forgiving someone will free you. Forgiveness takes one. Reconciliation, uh, reconciliation takes two. 
you may not be able to reconcile, but you can sure set yourself free. If you can see that the kingdom concepts are different than just the, we, relationships are either grace or law. So I don't, how do, what do you want to be under? So what do we do is we learn to lay aside our opinion for the sake of the relationship. It doesn't matter who's right. Completely overrated. Who cares? Um, well, some of us can do a little bit. Um, if you can't see or understand that, that this, uh, we'll actually never get free from our past. It's a huge struggle for us to reconcile truths in Scripture. But what you see, you won't be able to, unless you can see it, you'll lean on your own understanding. But I'm talking about having an understanding heart so we can see the keys and the principles of the kingdom. And he goes on in chapter 4 of Mark and he says, everything that's hidden now will, uh, or secret will eventually be brought to light. Yes. Some stuff you can't quite see, it's, it's, it'll come to light. That's great. Anybody who's willing to hear should listen and understand. It's not enough to listen. I'm glad you're all listening. My hope is that you'll understand. And be sure to pay attention to what you hear. Well, hold it. I don't have control over what I hear. Oh, yeah, you do. Because it says you do. One version says, be careful how you hear. You mean I can hear funny? Just like you can see funny, you can hear funny. What you hear will be, well, you know, I knew you said this. No, 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 that's just what you heard. Careful how you hear. Your hearing's connected to your eyes, eye bone connected to your tailbone, to your, no, right? Be careful how you hear. And then he says this, be sure to pay attention to what you, uh, yeah, what you hear. The more you do this, the more you'll understand, and, and even more besides, to those who are open to my teaching, more understanding they'll be giving. But you have to be open to his teaching first. The, pre the previous revelation that you're not walking in is keeping you from your next revelation. It's a funny thing, you know, like there's some things that I don't, I don't completely understand. I, I, do, you, do you guys understand electricity? I don't understand it. Gosh, I got a lot of respect for it. I got a whole bunch of sparks flying when I try to, so I get, I, I find novices like my son to do it. And I say, no, you use your screwdriver. I don't understand it. There's some things about kingdom finance I don't really understand. But you know, as I read through there, I go, I believe this is right. But some people, like tithing doesn't make sense. I think we should start tipping because tipping now is 20%. <laughs> What's up with that? Let's begin a, okay, everybody, we're going to tip Jesus now. <laughs> what? Of course, the tithe means a tenth, like, um, but... But you know what, as I read through there, I start, I, I saw, you know what, I believe that. I think that's right. I don't quite understand that w when I give something away that I can actually keep it. I don't quite understand that. Look, Mildred, it works. Like, you just, honestly, these are things that are, uh, they're mind-blowing to you. You may not understand something about the kingdom. People get really upset about us talking about money. I say, well, isn't that important? Is it important to you? Do you want to understand, do you want to get into a kingdom dimension on finance? I really, really do. Yeah, and so and next week, Kelly and I are going to talk about marriage. That's, some, that's something I know less about. Well, we're going to talk about it. But I believe it's right. And it's worked. And it's awesome. It mostly it's worked. I mean, it's worked for me uh, a lot. And so, <laughs> but if you can't see it. Okay, so, so um, we'll just scooch along here. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what I found, I realized this week. So I, 
I don't know who, my grandma always used to complain about white underwear. She said, whoever came up with white underwear? And, uh, but I found that, like, do you, does anybody perform the secret of black socks yet? Because you, isn't that that's awesome? You can wear them, like, for months. How do you ever tell they're dirty? White socks, you know all right away. You got to, like, take two, so how do you figure that out? You, you, I get, my smelling's a bit off as I get older. I don't know. I don't know. I just think black socks are awesome. I've been wearing them for long, long, long periods of time. Hey, Carmel, you got black socks? That's good. Okay. Okay, but even more to so those who are listening, even what they have will be taken away. And it's just that this is all like mind blowing because you have to live with the tension within the tension of this. Um, point number two uh, get understanding. Solomon, Solomon followed a man that was dearly loved by his entire nation. Few people. Uh, had, had greater military exploits, and his relationship with God is enviable. His prayers are written in, in, the ca- in sacred canon. That's pretty good. Um, you know, he, he was loved, David was loved by his nation, but his son Solomon had to follow him. So, th- so, so David as the wisest, and, and, and Solomon to become the, the wealth, wealthiest, Solomon arguably the wisest and wealthiest man that ever uh, on the earth. And and he, he, something happened right at the beginning of his reign. And, um, and he, he said this when he was coming into his, his kingship. The Lord came to him in a dream and he said, what is it that you would like? Th- why is this important? This is important because if you, if you learn to get understanding and wisdom, you'll get everything else with it. And he said, give me understanding so I can lead your people. Give me wisdom and understanding. My Bible said, just give me understanding so I can lead your people. Here's what happens when you get understanding. All th- he says, since you didn't ask for that, I'm, all those other things are going to roll towards you anyway. Because to get wisdom and understanding, I mean, there's different ways to acquire wealth and houses and stuff, right? And, and, but, but often there's sorrow that's added with it. But there's a kingdom way of doing it where there's no sorrow added to it. And here's what David did. And if, if those of you who weren't fathered well, just study the book of Psalms or of Proverbs. Because what, how it's written, it's written like a father talking to his son. And in chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, my children, listen to my instruction. Listen to your father's instruction. I love that. You want to be fathered? Just, just sit with it. This is, this is, and he says that, that pay attention, grow wise, for I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my teachings. Once you're a father's son, tenderly love. Take, take, you know. Uh, but he says, with all of your wisdom, with all of your getting, get understanding. Because with it, well, it's more precious than rubies. He said, with it, you'll get honor and you'll get long life with it as well. He said, if you can just get this one thing, all these other things are going to roll towards you. If you can figure out how the kingdom of God works and you can begin to flow in that, all this other stuff will flow towards you. He said, and, and I loved how he did that. Proverbs, uh, just, just, I love that. It says, it says that understanding will protect you and it will guard you and it will exalt you. This is important to have understanding hearts. Um, he says, with all you're getting, get understanding. Stephen Covey had a, he had a little inside track when he says, seek to understand. In our relationships, don't seek to be understood. Seek to understand. You need to understand something to keep it, not to get it. Uh, receiving doesn't depend on your understanding. Getting a harvest and fruitfulness depends on your understanding. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse uh, 3 says, by, by faith we understand. So if the first thing you do is you have to be humble enough to receive some instruction to get understanding. Lord, give me an understanding heart about kingdom relationships and how they work. Because quite likely they'll be counterintuitive to what you've learned. 
So he, but, but, so by faith, so so he trusted by faith before he understood. This is James chapter three and verse sixteen. It says he says where there's selfish ambition, where you're not willing to lay down your life for a friend, you'll find all kinds of confusion. Um, every so I just want to talk just for a moment, two two quick points uh, about the victim mentality. We need to learn to take responsibility for our actions. And, and remember that people respond to our actions. Here's what I've learned. I'm just putting it out there. You may not agree with this, n- nor do you need to. But you know, I, I'm really deeply convicted that sowing and reaping is always going on, whether you believe it or not. It's not karma. Sowing and reaping is always going on, but you know, it's not going on on a vertical plane. Because you can't negotiate anything with God. It goes on on a horizontal plane. So when he says, don't judge, and then people won't judge you, he's not saying that God would judge you. But we assume that. Because that's how we read it. That's not what he says. So sowing and reaping is continually going on like this. How are you going to be treated? Uh, the way that you treat people. Oh, I don't want that to work. Tough. Puppies. That's how it works. You mean that my actions cause people to respond to me a certain way. That's, this is kingdom. You want your relationships to work? This is, what, this is what Matthew 7 says. He says, here's the best way to help another person that has a speck in their eye. We're not spot speckers. Speck spotters. We're not spot, speck spotters. Here's what we do. Here's how you help somebody who's got a speck. Deal with your plank. Deal with your plank. Why? Here's how I help somebody. By helping me. Sounds selfish. No, no. It's kingdom. Because it'll help you see the other person in a positive light. You you mean that the way I dress and the way I act will cause people to act or react to me? Yes. Have you not noticed that? Happens all the time. I had an illustration uh, recently about a fellow I met who had a really bad word tattooed across his forehead. And, you know, I didn't judge him really. Like, it's your forehead. Like, go ahead. Have you seen them? And then they put some horns in and, like, stuff. And you go, gosh, that can't be great for a job interview. I don't know. I'm just saying it's probably going to cause a reaction from some people. It's not. I don't. It has nothing to do with uh, whether you love them as people. You're going... Your actions are actually causing a certain response from people around. Well, those dumb people, they should love me more. Well, may, you want to take part in that process? What, 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 how would you like to be treated? Here's a newsflash. Treat other people that way first. That's how sowing and reaping works. You want to be loved unconditionally? People aren't going to love you unconditionally because you're, you just think you're awesome. People inherently are selfish. They're thinking of themselves. So we can break that chain by thinking of them and laying down our life for another person. We can do that. And my actions actually causes a certain response in another person. Husbands, I'm talking to you. I, I'm talking to you. The way that you, tr- you treat that queen is going to determine whether she's an angel or a devil. The only time that this doesn't work is with abusers. Because abusers are working out their issues. 
and you're under no obligation to stay in, the, in, in a, an abusive relationship. That's an issue of your personal boundary. That's the only time it's violated. <clears throat> Are you really surprised how people react negatively to your negative behavior? You possess the power to create a positive response. Why don't more people encourage me? Oh, settle down. Why are, how many did you encourage recently? Bible's really clear. I don't have any friends. Yeah, no, because you're a jerk. The Bible says it's sort of like that. It sort of does. He says, you want to have friends? Be friendly. Isn't that just a mind-blowing revelation? Nobody invites me over for dinner. Yeah, be quiet. Invite them over to your place. Why doesn't anybody ever, like, pay my bill? Oh, how many have you paid recently? Did, are you, am I getting... You have the ability to create a positive response in another person or a negative response. This is huge. God cannot force a person to be kind to you any more than he'll force you to be responsible for your behavior. That's up to you. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 7, in closing, says that Jesus prophesying about Jesus that he would open the eyes of the blind and release those who sit in prisons of darkness. Self-centeredness judged judge everything in light of itself. One of the ways that I found to break judgments and offenses is to write them out. State what happened, specifically how it made you feel, the effects on your life along with the judgments that you passed about them and yourself, and then specifically write out how you choose to release them and how you will see this situation in the future. Read it out loud and then burn the paper. Don't hit sand. Accept God's forgiveness for living in judgment and the time you wasted. Experience God's grace. You'll find yourself be, free, you'll be freed up from relational pain. That's one way to do it. <clears throat> I have found who's going to be influential in my life the person that will influence you the most is not the person that you believe in but the people the person who believes in you you will find that when you believe in other people they will start to trust you why am i going to trust you would who who here would trust anybody that every time you're with them they point out all of your negatives and all of your faults would you trust them with any pearls of you heart your heart are you kidding but if you found out here's what i here's what i find if people have my heart they've got my back if, they can, if, if they'll start to, I, I found that I cannot actually inspire anybody for their future if I'm constantly reminding them of their past. But when I choose to drop all of my judgments about them, I can now start to see a brighter future for them and I can begin to speak it out. And it's amazing what happens. They start to respond in an incredibly powerful way. I learned about 10 years ago, I have the ability to make somebody feel significant. Did you know you have that same power? That's a lot of power. You have the ability to make that person, I don't care if she's a bad server when she shows up. If you just said to her, I really appreciate you serving me, I'm glad you're my server, I think you're one of the best in this place. Doesn't matter, you're not really lying. But you're calling out something good in her, or him. And you're reminding them that they're worthwhile as a human. Here's what happens to people who spot specs. They, you, what, what happens, when you, when you dig into somebody else's eye, you bring, you get other, you're pulling other stuff out as well. When you're trying to remove a speck, you know who you're thinking of? You. When we're called to serve and love others as Jesus loved us, 
This is like a mind-blowing thing. If I'm, so here, so here's, the, here's my final thought. When you've been with another person, how did you make them feel? Yeah, 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 you know, but I'm just having a bad day and I'm just having a, yeah, 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 I know, we all have bad days, whatever, get over it. Here's what you can do, is that you can make somebody feel loved, you can make them feel like their self-worth is, like they're actually, people get beat up all the time. How about being the hero that goes in and rescues them from their self, all their self-pity? Self-pity is demonic. So what do you do when it comes at you? Well, you can either agree with that or else you can start calling out something. You can change that. You can change the reaction. You can change it. We have that ability. Father, we give you thanks because you are Jehovah Rophe. You are our healer. And we we're able to stand in healing because of what you purchased for us today. Lord, we give you thanks for all you're saying and all you're doing. And with eyes wide open, Father, we come to you. We thank you for a fresh perspective this morning to see you as you really are, risen and living, walking among us, releasing your great presence. Father, I thank you today that your healing shall not just manifest here, but wherever we go, Lord, let it be seen, Lord, that we're the ones that carry your presence. God, I thank you today for your supernatural sight that you've restored. And from this day forward, we walk in great revelation, great perception, and great sight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you through those doors. Walk people who can see into the kingdom of God. God bless you. Go and change your world.